Hey, this is Dave Ryder from Cullamunda Church of Christ. Really praying this podcast blesses you. If you'd like to hear more of our story, how about you go to our webpage, cullamunda.church. The um, title for today's message, does anyone still take notes? Okay, we've got two people to take notes. Everyone else listens to the podcast, right? No, you don't, I know. (laughs) Well, let's pray that there's enough word that's actually going to be um, sticking and engrafting to us. The title of today's message is called Uncomfortable Announcements. Everyone say Uncomfortable Announcements. Uncomfortable Announcements. Our key text is going to be Joshua chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 3 to 4 from the New Living Translation. I'm going to pray and then we're going to launch into listening to what the Lord would say to us today. Joshua 3 verse 3 to 4. Giving these instructions to the people, when you see the the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your position and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Father, we do come before you in Jesus' name and Father, even myself, I acknowledge I need to be sitting in a pews, but as well as up here. So I even commit myself to actually hear what you would say to us. Father, I ask that you would anoint me to make things articulate, that we would hear from heaven. Uh, We love you so much. We love you so, so much. Come, come, come and be present among us. Come and change us and transform us. I pray we would not leave this place the same. Come and change us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've been doing this job for a while now. I know I might look really young, except for Cassie. She mentioned that there's a picture of me with hair on Facebook right now. You were actually there in that room, and so it was like Claire, and I was there. You took that, for, yeah. So there you go. There was a time when I had hair, and I looked young, and I was just amazing. And there's the time when Andrew just fell in love with me. She came in, and she looked at me, and she said, mm, mm-mm. you know what? That guy. <laughs> that's, my, um, that's my remembrance of it anyway, hon. But I've been doing this, um, the, the, this job for a while and there are times when people come to me and they, they actually say to me something which I actually have to stop them right there and say, you know what, I, I can hear what you're saying, but I actually have no idea what you're talking about right now. And, and what they do, they come to me and say, you know what, Dave, I understand the Christian life and all this kind of stuff. I've been doing it for a while. And they actually come to me and they say, you know what, I find the Christian life boring. Does anyone find the Christian life boring? You would never say that in church, would you? You know, I've had people come up and say that to me. And to be honest, I just have to shrug my shoulders and actually say, you know what, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're obviously doing it wrong. Because my experience with the Lord is that anything but boring, you know. For, like, for me, this is just for me. And this is not just because I'm a senior pastor, okay. If I wasn't a senior pastor, I'd be still on this radical journey with the Lord because I've actually made a decision. I'm going to follow Jesus wherever he takes me. Anyone else? Right? Okay. I'm in the right church, hopefully, and that's where we're going. But for me, this journey has been such an extraordinary journey. It seems that God, out of His love, He has just completely overwhelmed me. He seems to take my true passions, my true dreams, my desires, and He even takes my little quirks, my little idiosyncrasies, which other people look at and say, man, that just, just don't want anything to do with that. He even takes that stuff and knits it together, and He has allowed me to go on this amazing adventure, which is just so, so, so extraordinary. Seriously, I do not know what it is like to have a dull moment with the Lord. Anyone like, 
living that kind of radical Christian life? Seriously, it is a crazy, crazy life. I mean, 2020 is an example of that, right? I remember last year and going into this year, we were over there even at New Spring and we had all of our plans and we had these agendas. And I remember like in, 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 even in January, Brian came along, we had a members breakfast for New Spring and said, this is what we're going to do this year, this, 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 this. And then this year, something happened and it's all been sort of wiped out and God just looked at me and said, I just want you to know something right now, Dave. I'm actually in charge and you're not. And it is a radical journey. And all of us here today, this is testimony to how much God has control and how little control we actually have. Any control freaks in the room right now? Cassie, you're a control freak. Jess, you're a control freak. <laughs> this is letting us know that God's actually in control. And I'm so glad that he's in control. Over the last month or so, God's been sharing some specific messages with our churches. And... Uh, I know you can't fully understand this, but when we come and when we deliver the Word of God, this is not just, oh, I'm thinking, you know what, I'm just going to pick an old, like, what we, no, no. We're actually seeking God, say, God, what are you saying to your church right here, right now? And one of the difficulties of being a senior pastor in this present time is that there is such a saturation of messages, of memes, of, of, of Instagram posts and all that. And sometimes it is so difficult to actually hear what God is saying specifically to your church because we lean towards what God is saying to other churches. Anyone like that? But it takes a lot of discipline to actually say, okay, God, I know what you're saying about that church in America or that church in, in like uh, over there or even Dream Builders or anything. But God, what are you saying to Kalamunda Church of Christ right now? Because that's what I want to hear. And sometimes you have to be very disciplined to actually allow the other staff to move to the side and actually say, God, speak to, this, to me for this church. So what we've been talking about over the last couple of months, and last month in particular, is what God is saying to Kalamunda Church of Christ, and what God is saying to New Spring Church, in particular also what God is saying to Dave Ryder as a senior pastor. God, move me. What are you saying? Undull my ears is continually our prayer on mornings with our Zoom prayer room, isn't it, Jenny? We're continually asking that. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about brand new openings. Remember that message? Was anyone's life just completely, just radically changed because of that message? Oh my gosh, the prayer and effort that goes into, unbelievable. Last week when Kings March, did you learn something about that? There are some key things which the Lord wants to shape our minds and our hearts for what he is actually taking us into. Well, today I want to continue the thought that we left off last week, that thought of when Kings marched, um, when Kings and Queens marched with a message which is called Uncomfortable announcements and you know that when when the pastor says uncomfortable announcements and you hear them from God you, you kind of thinking whoa I'm not sure where this is going to go but we serve a good God a faithful God and we also live in the real world and we need to know how God speaks and how God operates and if we can actually hear that, and sometimes there are things that come up in our life that bring disappointment and there are things, but God is always asking us to look beyond what is currently present in our life right now. And if we have the discernment to look at beyond what is happening right here, right now, we will see that God is offering amazing opportunity and invitation for you, me, and for his church. Uncomfortable announcements. The book of Joshua begins with an uncomfortable announcement. Joshua 1 verse 1 says this, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, everyone say, therefore. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. 
There's a whole lot of stuff. We haven't got time to go into that. We could actually preach two sermons from that. But one thing I want us to understand and recognize that a reality in your life, my life, and it's always happened, is that seasons do indeed come to an end, don't they? Seasons do come to an end. You know, I think for myself, I get a little bit more upset and emotional when seasons come to an end than what God does. And this particular passage over here lets us know how God works, has kind of like, like how he operates. Seasons come to an end. And notice what God says, Moses, my servant, is dead, therefore, therefore, therefore. The end of something announces the, the commencement of something else. Now, that's hard for us. That's hard for me because I get really attached to things. Anyone else get really attached to things? Especially if I've been doing it for a long time. And then God, like in his providence, he comes and he actually puts an end to something. He says, you know what, Dave, that season was great. That was fantastic. There were some great things that you did. Fantastic. But right now, Dave, that season has now come to an end. And I'm like sort of, are you kidding me? That was a good season. But right after the end of a season, God actually puts a therefore. And the therefore is actually there for invitation. Because it is announcing that even though something has come to the end, it's an announcement that there is a commencement of something new. If we have ears to hear what the Lord is saying to us. And what I find interesting about this is that it is this paradigm when he says, Moses is dead, therefore the time for you has come. There are times and places where you can actually be in seasons where it's almost like there was a leadership or there was something that, and they were doing this and it comes to an end and then God looks at you and he says, actually, right now it's actually time for you. You've got to pay attention when seasons come to an end. You need to pay attention when things die because if you're able to actually look beyond that announcement, that uncomfortable announcement, you will hear that there is a secondary announcement which is opening something brand new in your life. The scripture that we are looking at right now comes after um, a, a, a time when, um, when Joshua sent out two spies to Jericho. Do you remember the time when um, Moses sent two spies to Jericho in the promised land? Yeah, that's like 40, 40, 40 years previous. But, but this passage that we're looking at, this comes directly after Joshua gets this. He sends two spies out to, to spy on a land that they should have occupied at least 40 years earlier. The intent was that land should have already been occupied. I don't know if that means anything to you, but for me, you need to understand, I'm ministering up up in the hills right now. But eight years ago, I started down in the city of Armidale. I was told by my family and by my friends, well, not by my family, but definitely by my friends, don't go to that church. I was told, this is you taking a back step. Don't go there. They, they, came, they came to me and I said this, Dave, haven't you heard? Armidale has a reputation of being a graveyard for churches and for pastors. And I've been there eight years right now, and I've got to tell you, they were absolutely right. But let me tell you something. That land down there in the valley, that should have been occupied decades ago. Come on, that's good, that's good. Decades ago. And Joshua sent some spies into a land that should have already been occupied. Already been occupied. I think it's incredible how God raises generations to actually take the baton from a previous generation. Do you remember David? David wants to go and build a temple, right? He says, he says to Nathan, I want to build a temple. Nathan's going, that sounds great. He goes and starts. Nathan comes back and says, no, you're a man of war. You can't do it. 
So do you think David's there moping? So, oh my God, I wanted to do this guy. I can't do it. No, this is what he does. He prepares the material for the next generation. Solomon comes and does it. Well, in this church particularly, there is actually a generation that is ready to take that baton. Are we going to release them? You bet you we are. You bet you we are. So he sends these spies into the land and they come back with a great report you know as a leader you want to you want to hear great reports you know sometimes you don't well a lot of times you don't but when you hear a great report man that's fantastic joshua 2 verse 23 to 24 this is what happens then the two spies came down from the hill country crossed the jordan river and reported to joshua all that had happened to them the lord has given us the whole land they said for all the people in the land are terrified of us that's a pretty good report isn't it god's given us all of it you know, look out into the hills of like, like Forestfield and Kalamunda and Les Murdy and Magic and Spies came back and said, Dave, great news. This is awesome. Woohoo. God's given us all of it. All of it? All of it? Like not just that patch of it? No, all of it, Dave. God's given us all of it. The devil's out there, the, 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 the spiritual force, all of the stuff out there. They are terrified of Kalamunda Church of Christ. Because we're feisty enough to take God at his word, you know. And immediately after this good report, we read the scripture in question today from Joshua 3, verse 1 to 4. Early the next morning, this is the next morning after the report, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days um, later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your position and follow them. Since you've never traveled this way before, they will guide you about half a mile behind them. Keep a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Two thoughts from this scripture, and then we're going to um, carry on with the rest of our beautiful day the Lord has given us. First thought, we have to simply get used to the unfamiliar. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you need to come to terms with something very, very fast and very early on in the piece. You're simply going to have to come, become very com comfortable or at least very used to the unfamiliar. Because there will be many times in your life and in my life where God will actually make uncomfortable announcements. And while he's making an uncomfortable announcement, he is at the same time announcing an unfamiliar journey which lies ahead. And this makes complete sense if you actually understand what God's been speaking to us about this. Uh, this last couple of months because get this get this you need to understand this the church is the only authorized administrator of the kingdom of God here on earth there is no other place there is no other entity that can administer the kingdom of God it's actually only the church we understand that don't we you know we got a great mac computer at the back there you can't just rock up to a 7-eleven and expect to buy a macbook can you no, because it's like it's a specialized thing. That'd be crazy if you could, right? If you could do that. You can't just go to Macca's. Like, when's the last time you went through drive through Macca's and say, you know what, I want a beef vindali? No, you can't. You know why? Because Indian food is specialized. Anyone? It is specialized food. You can't just go to Macca's and all that and get this. The more specialized an item, the more specific the distribution of it the more specialized. Isn't that right? 
So if we're talking about the kingdom values of Jesus Christ, if we're talking about thy kingdom come, thy will be done, about the kingdom of God breaking in and breaking forth into this world that is currently passing away, we need to understand, you just can't go and pick that up at a 7-Eleven. You can't just go to your government and ask them to do that. You can't just go to council. You can't just go to this person or that person. There is only one authorized entity on the face of this earth that has the authority to distribute and administer the kingdom of God, and that is the church of Jesus Christ. It's the church. It is good. So it makes sense. We need to pick this up as the church. So it makes sense that if we are the only authorized, legitimate, legitimate distributors of God's kingdom here on earth, and our job is not to get our ticket to, to go to heaven because we've understand by now that's actually, that's pretty heretical, that thinking. The story of God is actually heaven coming to earth, not us leaving earth to go to heaven. God is actually breaking forth new creation right here, right now, right? So it makes complete sense that if we live in a world where there are still places of despair, where there are still places of brokenness, where there are still people who are being terrorized and tor tormented, if there is still process of dehumanization that are happening all around us, it makes sense that the only way that God's kingdom is going to come and be established in that place is if the church of God goes there. Doesn't that make sense? So that would make sense that if we are to go to places that are dark, that are in despair, the places where God's kingdom is not established, that would make complete sense that God will actually take us on unfamiliar journeys. He's actually been telling us this since the book of Genesis. Because when kings and queens march, they push the good creation of God out into the world. The story starts with a garden that's in Eden. It ends with a city that's described very much like a garden. But it's a story, it's a picture of the Garden of Eden being taken somewhere to actually be established as a full-on city where God reigns and where God rules and where we worship Him. We need to know that. It makes sense. Joshua 3 verse 4 says this, Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. This is a sentiment which every single follower of Jesus Christ needs to become very, very familiar with. You've never traveled this way before. What do you do when you've never traveled this way before? We don't like going to places where we've never traveled before. Anyone ever been on autopilot and like you just like turned your car on and lo and behold, before you know it, you're at home. It's like, how did that happen? I hope I didn't hit a dog or something, you know. If I hit a cat, that's okay. But if I hit a dog, no. <laughs> we don't, we, 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 we're creatures of habit. We like that. We like the path of least resistance. We do, you know. Otherwise, all of us would be brain surgeons, wouldn't we? <laughs> You've never traveled this way before. If we're seriously going to push forward the mission of Jesus Christ in light of his purposes here on earth, it makes complete sense that once we are in a place that was once formless, in a place that was once empty, in a place that was once chaotic, and now the order of the kingdom of God has come, it makes complete sense that once an area is established, that God will call us to move on to another place and have that place established with God's kingdom. Does, are you seeing the logic here? Unfamiliar journeys, they do need leadership. They do need leadership. That's important for us to know.
Notice what's reported back to Joshua. I think this is quite interesting. Joshua 2 verse 24. The spies come back and they say, The Lord has given us the whole land. The whole land. That's pretty good to know, isn't it? As a leader, it'd be great for me like send Jess out and send Cassie out and send Tim out and send Beck out. Come back to me. Give me a report. And I say, Dave, it's incredible. God's given all of it. All of it. But do you want to see something really interesting? If you've got your Bibles, turn back to Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. Now, this is God speaking to Joshua after Moses has died. Listen to what he says. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on the land I have given you. Now, get this. The spies come back and tell Joshua what God had already announced to Joshua. All right. Do you think it was news to Joshua? He sends out these two spies. The spies come back and say, Joshua, this is awesome, right? God's given us all of it. Do you think that's the first time that Joshua heard that news? No, because right at the beginning, Joshua 1, God says, Joshua, wherever you set your foot, you just need to understand, you just need to know I've already given you that place. This news wasn't for Joshua to know because he was the leader. God speaks to leadership. He speaks to leadership. A couple of weeks ago, no, it was last week actually, we were praying as, as an eldership. Um, and uh, Brian and Tim and Dave and the eldership from New Spring were together and we were talking about and we're praying. And um, I love praying together as eldership. Are you enjoying it? It's good, isn't it? The presence of God is thick and rich. At the end of it, um, as um, Aaron Melville, who's one of our elders as well, he just shared a scripture with us. Isaiah 42, verse 8 to 9 says this. He says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. You know, God is very compassionate, very kind to us, and he will set us on new journeys. But you need to understand and recognize that when we actually see things new which are happening, he's already announced them before. There are things that God has already announced in my heart and in my ears. Not just pertaining to this church, but also pertaining to New Spring. There are some things that have been announced to me, and I'm not even ready to actually share that stuff. But there is something which is so beautiful about God that before something new springs into being, He will announce that thing before you can actually see it. And that's why you need leadership. Because we're going into a direction, we're going on a journey that we've never been on before. Never been on before. People ask me, Dave, how can I pray for you? You need to pray for wisdom. Because I'm dumb. I'm not the smartest person in this room. I tell you that. My ears become dull. So easy. And I know that the only way I can lead is by hearing the voice of God. You need to pray, Dave, like to God. God, you need to undull Dave's ears so that he would hear. Undull the ears of the eldership so that they would hear. Pray for your eldership. Pray for your leadership because God is speaking and we want to hear what God is saying so we can lead our churches forward. Amen? We, we, prayer is this. We acknowledge that we are deficient. We acknowledge that we don't have the wisdom. We acknowledge that we don't have the grace, but we know the one who does. So we come to him and God's scripture says, anyone who lacks wisdom, let them ask. And God will give generously, generously. Man, I tell you what, I just rely on that so much, so much. Second point, in unfamiliar times, we have one familiar constant, one familiar constant. 
Joshua 3, verse 3 to 4, giving these instructions to the people when you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your position and follow them. Now, we have not seen anyone carrying Arks of Covenants today, this morning, have we? It's not like Jess came up with like this like box on his shoulder or anything like that. No, we don't do that. But you know what? We don't necessarily carry arcs, but we do carry what that ark represented. And the ark represented the presence of God. And in unfamiliar times, on unfamiliar journeys, we do have one constant that is never changing. And that one constant is the presence of God. The presence of God. The presence of God. And this is where Christians come unstuck all the time because we think the thing that distinguishes us as a people, the thing that distinguishes us as a church is that we do this and we do this and we do this and we can do this. And I just need to let you t- tell you right now, all that stuff is great, but that is not what dis- distinguishes you and is not what dis- distinguishes this church. My mouth's not working. It doesn't. There's one thing that distinguishes us. It's been one thing that always distinguishes us as the people of God, and that is the presence of God. That's why, like right now, we could have like one guy with acoustic guitar and just like a Bible and all that, and the place can be rich with the presence of God, or it can be absolutely dead. Or we can go to town and we can have like light shows and we can have videos and we can have smoke, we can have all sorts of stuff happening right now, and it could be full, or it could be dead. Because the way a worship service looks is inconsequential. The thing that defines it, if it's alive or if it's dead, is the presence of God. Isn't it? Did you feel the presence of God this morning? Yeah. Amen. The place not dead. It's alive. It's alive. <laughs> it's the presence that distinguishes us. I think probably the first moment is in Exodus 33. If you have your Bible, just quickly turn there. And in Exodus 33, we actually see Moses articulate something so, so profound. And he actually articulates for us what it is to be the people of God. This is after bringing God's people out of slavery in Egypt and they're en route to the promised land and we read this discourse between Moses and the Lord from verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses asked, now show me your glory. Think about this. Moses had seen some pretty cool things, right? He'd seen the mighty arm of God move against Pharaoh, right? I mean, like, he's seen all the plagues happen. Imagine going into a situation, into a setting, and saying, you need to actually turn. If you do not turn, God's going to do this. And you turn around, you look back, and God did exactly what you said. Wow. That'd be pretty cool, right? Imagine actually standing there like at the mouth of the Red Sea and, and you're over there, you're leading like over a million people and you look around and, and, and like all the Egyptians are coming and then you lift up a stick and the waters part. Overnight the breath of God comes and it's dry and you walk over and you turn around and you see all your enemies drown. Like, that'd be pretty cool, right? 
Imagine leading these people out in the desert and there's no food, no water and all that. You're thinking, wow, these people are like whinging and they need some water. So you get your stick and you, you hit a rock, boom, water spurts out. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? You know, people complaining, we need some meat, Moses. We need some meat, we need some bread. So at night quail, like during the day, quails are coming out in the morning and all that. And then you have like manna dropping and all of a sudden you've got meat and bread. Like, gee, Moses got to see some incredible things, didn't he? He saw some great demonstration. After seeing the acts of God, it is incredible to me that Moses would ask something that is so, so, so significant and so specific. He says, now show me your glory. He'd seen his demonstration. He'd seen the acts, but he's asking for something different. He's asking to see his glory. To speak of God's glory in ancient Hebrew in the literature, was to speak of his presence and beauty. Moses is asking to see God as he really is. For Moses, head knowledge and seeing the demonstration isn't enough. He wants to experience the Lord. How much of our prayer is, God, do this, God, do that, God, we're still like that. We're always praying for the mighty arm of God to come and move. But how many times do we actually come before God and say, you know what, your acts are fantastic, but I just want to know you. I just want to experience you. I just want to rest with you. Raymond Oatland said this, The glory of the Lord is God himself becoming visible. God bringing his presence down to us. God displaying his presence down to us. God displaying his beauty before us. You see, Moses, he'd seen God's acts. He lifted up a stick and the Red Sea parted. But Moses wanted more than demonstration. He wants to experience God in a personal way. It's the presence of God. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Get this again. And all of us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, because of the gospel, have had that veil removed. We think that the unchurched needs to hear the gospel. They do. I'll tell you this much. Christians need to hear the gospel even more so. Because every time we hear the gospel, a veil is removed. And then when we move away, guess what? The veil comes down. Then we hear the gospel again. The veil is removed. It's re that's what the gospel does. It lifts a veil. And get this. The, the veil is removed. So we, so all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. Do you remember that, that picture of the angled mirror? Right? The priestly role of Imago Dei. Talked about that last week. I'm saying, I'm kicking this on. The priestly role of what it means to be truly human, to be an angled mirror. That we can see the glory of God and we can reflect the glory of God. Well, Paul is saying exactly that that we learn about from Genesis. Isn't it incredible how Scripture is knit together? And we who have had the veil lifted, we are in that place where we can actually see the glory of God, His presence in a personal way. And not just that, we reflect it. Oh man, how good is this? And the Lord who is Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Wow. As we see Him, as we sit with Him, we become more like Him. 
Ephesians 1 verse 16 to 7. I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Woohoo! Amen. But there's a reason why you're given the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We are not given the spirit of wisdom and revelation so I can stand up here and I sort of say, I'm a spiritual leader. I'm a pastor. No. There's a reason why each and every one of us are given the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And it puts each and every one of us on level ground. There's no such thing as a super Christian. I may be your senior pastor. I'm just a man. I'm the same as you. I seriously need to be sitting down and listening. But at the same time, I need to be up here teaching. But this is the reason. So that you may know Him better. To experience Him. To know Him. Truths that are not experienced are just theories. Do you live in the truth? Have you ever been before the Lord and just resting in His presence? And it's almost like you can smell His fragrance. When we started praying as eldership together with the combined eldership, I remember there was a moment in our auditorium where we were just silent and God was in the place. And when He could speak, Aaron Melville actually opened his mouth and he said, I just saw him. He was standing there. He was standing there. Have you ever sat and been with him? We can smell him. Hey. Moses says, What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people? From all other people on the face of this earth. There is one thing that distinguishes you and I, and that's the presence of God. Show me your glory. About 15 years ago, I'm going to end up now. Jess told me not to speak too long. Sorry, Jess. That's a good thing about having like some New Spring people here. They can actually tell me as it is. <laughs> remember about 15, might even be more than 15 years ago, my senior pastor, Phil Baker, and he's obviously been here sometimes. And he walks into my office and he hands me a book. He says, here, Dave, you'll enjoy this. And he walks right out. It was a book by Leonard um, Ravenhill. The book was called Why Revival Tarries. And the very beginning of that book started off with this paragraph. It says this, the Cinderella of the church today is the prayer meeting. This handmaiden of the Lord is unloved and unwooed because she is not dripping with pearls of intellectualism nor glamorous with the silks of philosophy. Neither is she enchanting with the tiara of psychology. She wears the homespuns of sincerity and humility and so is not afraid to kneel. What else is it that distinguishes us as the Church of Jesus Christ? And again, I know we're called Kalamunda Church of Christ, but I simply do not care about names. We are the church of Jesus Christ. That is who we are. What is it that distinguishes us? It is the presence of God. Nothing else but the presence of God. And in our life, you can expect, and if nothing else, 2020 is one of those moments where the Lord comes and He announces something which is very uncomfortable. 
an uncomfortable announcement, which beckons us forward into an unfamiliar journey. And even though everything else may be unfamiliar, there should be one thing that remains constant in your life and in my life and is completely unchanged. And that's the presence of God in our heart to experience Him. Let me pray for you and we're going to worship. Father, we thank you for this moment. Even now as your spirit is resting upon us. I thank you that you've spoken. And I pray that we will leave here changed. And even this week we will experience you more. In Jesus' name.